This is a Harper Guys production. The following will contain adult subject matter and may not be suitable for all audiences. How many bullets your gun holds? Welcome to the gallows. This is Jake. With me as always, my co-host Adam. Yo. And he is going to get us started with our public service announcement for the evening. Absolutely. Uh, visit us at thegallowspodcast.com. From there, you can go to our Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can also visit us everywhere podcasts are found. Uh, if you have questions, comments, or case ideas, please email us at thegallowspod at gmail. Com. And we would like to say a special thank you to one of our listeners that actually sent us a, a suggestion for a case that we've started looking into. Uh, I will get back as soon as the research kind of wraps up to see where we're at here, but there's a, a pretty good chance that that's going to happen. So thank you so much for, uh, for writing into the show, and we will probably put your case on pretty soon. Absolutely. And get ready for episode 46. Episode 46, ladies and gentlemen, we are making hay. So before we get into tonight's story, we are going to kind of check on what's going on in the world of capital punishment. We have a couple executions coming up in September. There's nothing else on the docket in August. We still have John Ramirez. He uh, stabbed a convenience store clerk outside of Corpus Christi, Texas. And then we have Rick Rode, who murdered two brothers while they slept in a revenge killing one day after getting out of prison from a five-year term for armed robbery. Then we are into what we affectionately called Oktoberfest, and a bit of a joke, but there are three executions that are on the docket, one in the great state of Missouri, one in the great state of Nevada, and then finally, our friend and yours, Ruben Gutierrez, capping out the month of October. Tell me how it's going to be, George. Are they going to finally kill Ruben? Uh, I think that there should be a prop bet on this. I am pretty sure this guy is going to end up with an, at least one more stay. I feel like they're going to get him right before Thanksgiving. That's can, just my opinion. Can you give me a screwdriver and I can just pay him back mercifully? I believe that you could, but I don't know that the state is going to warrant that. Damn it. It's also important to note that Texas, the... Uh, the quick line when it comes to this kind of thing is actually added three executions for the month of November. Well done. So as we get closer to that, and it seems like it may happen, we'll give you a little update on what those cases are and who could be facing the gallows very, very soon. All right. That brings us to tonight's story. In September of 1996, Carmelita Donald 
lived in a second-floor apartment at 8100 Page Street in St. Louis with her sister Melody Donald. Shawnee Murphy lived downstairs from Melody and Carmelita, along with her three children. Arthea Sanders was also a friend of Shawnee's that lived with her at the time downstairs. Once they moved in together, Carmelita and Melody became friends very quickly with Shawnee and Arthea. After a while, Arthea actually moved upstairs and began living with Melody and Carmelita. Their late nights kind of would run together a little bit better than what Shawnee had to deal with with her three kids. She had three pretty young kids that went to bed a decent time when you don't have a whole bunch of kids that go to bed early. Or if you have kids that are used to the controlled chaos, sometimes the situation works out a little better that that's the place that they're at. So that's how the three of them ended up living together. When you look at these four young women, their ages are between 20 and 26 at the time. Carmelita was definitely the leader of the group. She was the oldest by four years. She was tall. She was strong. And she was the type of person that had no problem letting people know when they needed to hear something. You know, if you were out of line, she's going to tell you you're out of line. If you're being an asshole, she's going to tell you you're being an asshole. That's just the kind of person she was. Love you know? those kind of people. I have a great respect for those kind you, of people. You never wonder where you're at. No. And the thing about it, too, is I feel like people watch what they say around those people a little bit more, too. Right? So... Melody was small in stature, but she was also known for being street smart. Uh, she was the type of person that could go into a bar with $4 and drink all night without paying more than her $4 for it. You know, was always smart in the way that she handled herself around anything. Shawnee was known for her determination, but she was also incredibly beautiful. She was pregnant a couple times as a young mom, and she decided she was going to make her own way in life. That's when she took on Arthea as a roommate to help make ends meet. Just somebody that was determined to be the best mom and best person that she could be. And then Arthea was kind of the spitfire of the group. You know that person that once in a while you're like, just tone it down. You know, can you please not instigate any further? Well, Arthea was the type of person, you know, she would just always hit back harder. You know, if you're going to slap her on the leg, she's going to punch you in the face. You know, just one of those kind of people. And I'm okay with that. I have friends that are like that. You just have to know what you're dealing with when it comes to that kind of a personality trait, you know? Oh, yeah. So she was never afraid of any, any kind of uh, confrontation when it came to her. So let, let me back up just a little bit. So that was in 1996 that they, the four of those ladies actually came together under kind of one roof. To go back from 1996 back to 1987, that one is when Car Carmelita was actually still a senior in high school. She actually began dating a guy named John Winfield. Now, John was two years older than her, and he was already out of school, but he had a good job, and he was very, very sweet. The, the two of them got along very, very well. Uh, they would end up having two children together. That was Mikhail Donald and Simone Winfield. So the first one took her name. The second one actually ended up taking his name, which I thought was kind of interesting the way that that worked out together. It was just a choice based on how long they were together when she was pregnant the first time. They, she didn't know if they were going to end up together, so she right. didn't want to have the child take his name, makes, which I can kind of understand and respect that. It makes sense to me. Right. So both Carmelita and Melody actually lived with Winfield for a while, and his family had a handful of addresses over the years, and they just kind of all moved together. It's a young family trying to find their footing, you know, to where they live a place for a while. They realize that the work that they have isn't really what they're looking for. They move to another area, kind of. They weren't vagabonds, but they just kind of moved around trying to find their place in the world. I think that that happens a lot to people that are in their young 20s. Well, Carmelita and Winfield had a relationship that I don't want to use the word tumultuous, but it was a little bit rough from time to time. 
it, it went back and forth over the years to where they had broke up several times, got back together several times. Well, finally, Carmelita had had enough and she was growing up and wanting more out of her life. And so she broke it off with them all the way. And her and her sister, Melody, actually moved out of Winfield's house in the spring of 1996. So that's how they actually ended up living together on the apartment on Page Street. So once they're living together, Winfield lives in a house on Liberty. Now, Liberty is actually an intersection of Page, right? So if you're from the area and you know St. Louis at all, Liberty and Page come together. It's a kind of a tight-knit area to where most people know most people a little bit along the way to where Winfield actually only lives a couple blocks away. Well, as much as most people would think that that's an inconvenience by having your ex there, it actually doesn't appear to be the case because it enables them to co-parent together. Well, it would actually be the case that because of their proximity, they would share physical custody to where they had 100% joint custody, and they would actually casually have dinner together with their kids, their parents. It was a, it was a good a situation as could be for people that had started a family young, but really weren't in the family mode as the four of them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, you, you hear all kinds of horror stories about situations like that where it goes the opposite way, mm-hmm. where things are horrible and the kids suffer so much. So I would say it sounds like the perfect arrangement for a split. Yes, and, and it was everything was looking like it was going to be peachy king. Well, on the night of September 9th of 1996, Carmelita went out that evening with her new boyfriend. This is Tony Reynolds. Tony Reynolds was, how do I use the word, stacked. This guy was... Head to toe, you know, spent a lot of time in a gym. Like, he's not somebody that you're going to miss walking down through a crowd. Beefcake. Yeah, he was He was somebody that everybody noticed, you know, a little bit brash in the way that he handled himself, but overall was known as a pretty decent person. Well, at the time, Winfield had no idea that Carmelita was dating. And if anybody listening has been through a broken home, this is a big moment in a breakup that involves kids. When somebody else starts dating again, right? Somebody else is going to be around your children. You actually have to accept the fact that the person you've been with for a long time is actually moving on and that you're not going to get back together for the 11th time. So it can put a little bit of strain on a relationship, sure. especially if you don't care for the person that they're with. You know, I, I think that a lot of people will drum up reasons not to, sure. but if, if you have genuine concerns, that's kind of a different situation, right? It would make some things awkward if you, if things were <clears throat> on a kind of a roundabout way, and now all of a sudden they're going their own direction. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Tony didn't really have a bad reputation. A little bit of a mouth on him from time to time, in pretty good shape, but they were getting serious enough to the point where he had kind of told Carmelita, like, hey, we need to talk to Winfield about what's going on. You know, he wanted her to move in together. You know, to where they could spend more time together. He was going to be around the kids and be an influence, but he didn't want to do that without being respectful to their father. I I think there's something to be said for that. Here, here. Honestly, you know. Well, they had a great time that evening. They went out and had a good time. And somewhere between 10 and 11 o'clock, Melody, who's at home at this point in time, she receives several phone calls from Winfield asking where Carmelita's at because he wants to know where the kids are, wants to talk to one of the kids. Well, she says, I don't really know what's going on. Like, I haven't seen my sister in hours, yada, yada. Well, he called and said, well, where is she? And then he called right back and said, hey, you know, I know you know where she is. Tell me. And she's like, well, I don't really know where my sister is. Well, he called again and said, you know what? I don't even want her to call me back. Well, then he had a change of heart. And at about 1115, he calls back and says, hey, you know, whenever she gets home, just have her call me so I know she's safe. You know, I still want to talk to the kids. Kind of let me know what's going on. So she's like, fine. It is what it is. Well, 
It didn't take more than 15, 20 minutes, and he hasn't heard anything back. And by living real close, he says, you know what, I'm going to go over to the house. So Winfield heads over to the house, gets to Carmelita in Melody's apartment, and he knocks on the door. Melody answers the door, and he says, hey, you know, wh- where is she at? Yeah, Is she here? Is she not here? Like, kind of what's going on? And Melody said, you know, I don't know where my sister is. The same story over again. Well, he's like, you know what, I'm just going to kind of hang out then and wait for her. You know, if she's supposed to be coming home sometime soon, you know, I'll, I'll see her when she gets here. You know, does she have the kids with her? I don't know. You know, to where everybody... Nobody knows, seems to know what's going on Nobody because knows nothing because they don't want to tell him that she's out with another guy, you know? Well, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go. So he heads out. Well, 10 minutes later, he's back again. So he obviously ran to the house and then ran right back. So he gets back and Arthea actually answers the door. And when she answers the door, she's like, look, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where she's at. She's out for the evening someplace. I don't know where we're at. Well, she turns and goes to close the door and he just kind of follows in right behind her. And he says, you know, where is Carmelita? Somebody has got to be able to tell me where she's at. Melody follows the same story again. I don't know where she's at. Well, at some point in time, Melody's finally like, you know what? I think she might be out with Tony. I don't really know. And he's like, Tony Reynolds. And she's like, yeah, I think that's his name. And he's like, I don't want that guy around my kids. Blah, blah, blah. Started like going off about this guy. Yeah. See, this whole thing is making things worse. Right. Just coming out. Just tell him. Right. Just have the conversation ahead of time with what's going on. Well, they decide that they're going to actually lie to him at one point in time and say, hey, you know, the kids are actually over at Arthea's mom's house. You know, they're actually sleeping over there right now. So if you want to see the kids, you can kind of just go over there. They're trying to get him out of the house that situation they you know they thought that hey this is going to appease this guy you know he's upset he just wants to see his kids let's go ahead and get out of here well at this point in time melody decides to go downstairs to shawnee's apartment right and she telephones arthea's parents and says hey you know if you get a call or if he stops by we told him the kids were there just tell him that they're sleeping you know that you don't want to wake them up trying to cover for the whole situation it's pretty elaborate with what they're going through yeah when adults should just be adults and have the conversation yep. at least to me at this point agree you know like if it's if it's not going to be popular, that's fine. But just be honest, you know. Well, Shawnee is at her apartment with her three sleeping kids at the time, and she actually has a friend over named James Johnson. Now, I can't find anywhere that they were actually in a relationship, but they were more than casual friends, from what I can gather. So, I think that that's fairly standard, especially when you've got a couple kids. You know, you're in your mid twenties. Maybe you don't need somebody there all the time by your side, but it's nice to have somebody to hang out with, you know? Absolutely. So Melody's downstairs with Shawnee in the, in the apartment, and she hears a crash upstairs. Well, Melody runs back upstairs to their apartment, and she sees Whitfield, and he had actually knocked over their entertainment center. He's getting kind of pissed off at this point. Well, he had called and talked to the dad over at Arthea's house, and Melody had actually talked to the mom. So he knew that his kids weren't there. So he was beside himself at this point. Uh-oh. And the stupidest part of the whole thing is that the kids in all of this were actually with Melody and Carmelita's mom and dad. Why wouldn't you just tell them that? The kids are actually physically out of town. She had the kids out of town at her mom and dad's house while she's out with her boyfriend. I think that story is a whole lot more palatable than, hey, she's out with this guy. We don't know where the kids are. I mean, how are you going to handle that as a dad? I'm not I'm not, I'm not. not saying that, that like, breaking a... a a TV stand is okay. No. I'm just saying, like, what are you going to do in that moment? Well, this guy's it, it, clearly starting to go off his rocker. But, right. uh, I mean, yes, you just tell him the truth. Right. So he obviously at this point gets super upset. And he's like, look, I need to talk to Carmelita and see what's going on here to, to get everything figured out. And Melody says, you know what? I just, I don't know. 
I don't know. I can't help you anymore. Well, at this point in time, she wants to get as far away as she can. So she heads back down to the apartment. I know that there's a lot of up and down, but to, to keep everything in context, I'm trying to keep this moving in the right direction, right? So Whitfield's upstairs. He's getting super upset about everything. Melody decides, you know what? I'm going back downstairs to kind of get away from this situation. You know, he's kind of starting to overturn some furniture. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Well, Shawnee is kind of getting pissed now because he's making a bunch of ruckus upstairs and she's got three kids that are sleeping. So she goes upstairs and it's like, hey, you know, what's going on? Like, you need to calm down. This is ridiculous. So he starts to calm down, and then he actually goes back down. So the three of them all go downstairs, and they're in the lower apartment. He says, all right, well, you want me to calm down and stop breaking things? Just tell me where she's at. Well, Shawnee says, look, I honestly don't know. I'm here with my kids. I'm hanging out with my friend. All I know is I don't want you to wake up my kids. So if you want to hang out here, like, that's cool. Like, I'm not trying to kick you out. I'm not trying to be rude or nothing to you. But, like, I just need you to keep it down because my kids are in here sleeping. Like, it doesn't have to be a big deal, you know? Well, he was getting kind of annoyed, and he's like, you know what? I don't believe you. I think that you know. And if she comes home and I find out that she was with a guy and that you know about it, not only am I going to kick her ass, I'm going to kick your ass. And Shawnee was like, look, you're going to be kicking my ass. I didn't have nothing to do with this, you know? And it's like, that's exactly how I would have reacted to the situation. I mean, I feel like, like she's trying to do the right thing and talk him down, and it's not really going that way. So... Carmelina, meanwhile, returns to the house somewhere right around midnight, and she's with Tony. Well, she ain't dumb. So she pulls up, and she can see her apartment, but she also can see that Winfield's white Cadillac is parked out front. So she knows that he's inside. Right. Now, Tony ain't stupid either. Tony says, look, let's go back to my house. My cousin's there. He said, Jarita will take you back to the house. That way, nobody ever knows you were out with me, and you're at, she was actually friends with Jarita, to where her being out with Jarita isn't completely insane. Okay? So, perfect. So, they go back to the house. He's like, he's in, to quote, in, in, his, uh, in his statement, he said, so it won't be no shit started. So, he knew that it was not going to be great if he popped out of the car and walked her up to the stoop, right? And Carmelie's like, that's fine. Perfect. So they get back. Jarita says, yeah, absolutely. I'll give her a ride home. So they head back to the house. Jarita give, drops her off. Make sure she gives her a hug on the way out. Waves her goodbye. You know, like it was a really, really friendly occasion, even though they'd only seen each other for about 10 minutes here. Carmelita goes into the apartment. And as soon as she's walking in to go up the steps to her upstairs, she sees Winfield. And he's there waiting for her. And he confronts her. And he says, look, we need to talk. And she starts, he starts going down the steps and she tries to kind of go past him and he uses his left arm and kind of usher pushes her back down the steps. Like it wasn't like a forcible, like throw her down the stairs, but she wasn't getting it upstairs either. And it's important to note at this point in time that Winfield is probably about six, two, maybe two ten, two fifteen. He's a, a pretty big, pretty good sized fellow without being a monster, you know, definitely didn't definitely didn't measure up to Tony, but he was a pretty good sized guy, right? So they get back down the steps and there's a parking lot that's kind of across an alleyway from the, from the apartment. So they head over there to start talking because she insists, you know, I don't want to wake up Shawnee's kids, you know, like whatever we have to talk about. And he says, I got one question for you. Why are you fucking with that N word, Tony? And Carmelita was like, you know, I'm not actually with him. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, she's like, who are you? Who is Tony? Are you talking about my brother? Cause she had a brother actually named Tony. And he said, nah, you know what I'm talking about? I ain't talking about him. Carmelita kept denying the whole thing. And he was like, look, well, she ain't going to lie. And Carmelita was like, who is she? Well, Winfield never said, 
at this point in time, Carmelita thinks that he was referring to their daughter, that her daughter actually knew that Tony was around. They had been seeing each other. Their daughter was eight years old, nine years old at the time that this had happened to where it would make sense that she would be like, yeah, there's a, a new guy around daddy. You know, kid doesn't know any better than to say something like that. Well, meanwhile, while Winfield and Carmelita are outside talking, Melody and Shawnee were downstairs listening to this whole thing go on. Well, Arthea, the spitfire of the group, she's had enough. She's tired of listening to Winfield's bullshit. She doesn't want to hear any of it anymore. And she sneaks around the side of the house. Well, Melody then hears a sound that sounds like air coming out of a tire. So she runs back into the house and Melody says, hey, Arthea, what did you do? And she's like, he ain't driving out of here on four tires, that's for sure. So she slashed one of his tires, like, on his caddy. Like, I, I can't imagine that that's probably a very good decision, right? <laughs> no, not that we're in a, uh, not that the story's on the gallows. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you're slashing tires. Right, this usually not- uh, usually ends to bad times. <laughs> well, Arthea gets back inside, and she says, hey, Melody, call the police now. And she yells outside, she says, hey, Carmelita, you all right? Carmelita yells back, yeah, I'm fine. We're just talking. Well, after she was assured, they then heard a door close. And like, all right. So Melody thought that the car door slamming was him leaving. So she doesn't call the police in that moment, which ends up being a terrible decision on her part. So the car door slamming was actually Winfield getting pissed. He comes running from the car into the apartment building with Carmelita right behind him on his heels. Melody hears Carmelita yell to, to Athea that he was coming to get her and to run because he had a gun. And then she actually heard uh, Arthea running through the house. Winfield enters the house into Shawnee's lower downstairs apartment and said something like, you don't have nothing to do with this or you think that's funny. That's kind of misconstrued exactly what was said. He said, it's all your fault, bitch. And then he shot Arthea point blank in the head in the lower apartment. Arthea was unarmed at this point in time. Winfield then turned the gun on Carmelita, who was in the stoop of the doorway. And she pleaded with him like, hey, I love you. I'm not trying to do anything wrong. I know that you just made a mistake. And he looked at her and he said, fuck you, bitch. And he shot her four times, once point blank in the head, once point blank in the chest, once in the stomach, once in the leg. At this point in time, both Carmelita and Melody had seen that the gun was one that Winfield had used in the past. And they knew exactly what this was. Last thing that Carmelita would testify that she remembered was Winfield's face with a gun and then the flash that came from the gun. She survived? I'll get there in a moment. Well, you, you already you, you teased it, I know. It's foreshadowing. <laughs> the next thing she remembered was waking up in the hospital after this ordeal. Melody and James at this point in time are still in the downstairs apartment, right? So her sister had ran into the apartment. James was the friend that was over at Shawnee's apartment, right? They go running to the kitchen to try to get through the back door to get out of the house. Well, it turns out that the back door is actually jammed. They had actually nailed it shut because the lock didn't work. So what they had done for a security purpose actually had them trapped inside the house. At this point in time, Shawnee, during the chaos, her kids are starting to wake up after the gunshots and stuff that are fired. And she's trying to get down the hallway to get to her kids. And Winfield was actually able to stop her. He grabbed her and she said... I'm trying to get to my babies. No, don't do it. And he said, shut the fuck up, bitch. And he shot her point blank in the chest. He turned toward Melody. And then when he turned toward Melody with the gun, 
she like went limp instantly dropped to the floor, which is not the worst thing. If you got a plan after that, I mean, at least you get, get you out of the line of sight, right? <laughs> Whitfield then turned to James and pointed the gun straight at him and said, you're next. Well, James stood there frozen for a second and all of a sudden click pulls the trigger. Doesn't gun doesn't go off. So they end up in a wrestling match over the gun. So we got James and Winfield fighting over this gun at this point in time. While they're fighting, the gun clicks three more times with nothing happening while this is going on. James actually ends up on the bottom with Winfield on top. Winfield hits him in the head with the gun. He pistol whips him right then and there. But when he does, he leans a little too far forward. James is actually able to get out from underneath of him and run through the house. While all this is going on, Melody is actually able to escape and gets over to the neighbor's house to call police. When this happens, Winfields goes outside to try to chase James down. He's trying to follow him. And then he realizes when he sees that Melody is at the next house, that she's going to be calling the police and he hightails it on out of there. About six minutes later, officer Thomas Crowley with the Vanita park police department was dispatched to the scene. Officer Crowley entered the residence and he found Carmelita. He asked her who shot her and she didn't respond, but she was pointing to the house to where he knew that she was alive, but he didn't know how badly she was injured, but he could tell that she was shot at the time. They found two small children on the bed in Shawnee's living room, both completely unhurt. And then they found uh, Arthea and Shawnee both dead in the house. Uh, Arthea had a wound that went to her face, not breathing, no pulse. Shawnee, chest wound, not breathing, no pulse, no vital signs. They spoke with Melody, and immediately she's like, it was Winfield. We know that it was Winfield. He tried to kill all of us. He ran out of bullets. He's out of here, right? So they figure out where he lives over at 7517 Liberty, which is literally right around the corner. Just follow the trail of rubber from that tire. I mean, right? I mean, you know that thing ain't ain't in any kind of shape. I mean, if if nothing else, there's going to be a line in the road, right? So which I find to be interesting. They waited until six o'clock in the morning to go get him. Yeah, that's odd. Right. I mean, they were on scene. Let's let him get a good head start. Right. They were on scene before one o'clock in the morning. They didn't head over till six o'clock in the morning. Right. So that's six o'clock in the morning on the morning of September 10th. Officer Carney went to the house and he went into custody. No problem. He didn't fight back. He didn't nothing. Uh, he took him, booked him in the station And then they started asking him questions and he said, yeah, I understand my rights, but I don't really have much to say. Well, they kept talking to him and he said, well, you know, yeah, I did it, but I don't remember any of it. And they said, well, where's the gun? He said, well, I threw the gun in a Creek. You know, I'm not really sure. So where's the Creek at? Well, it's off of Vernon and Pennsylvania roads. There's like 11 different bridges that are out in this area. He's talking about to where he's not really trying to give them a whole bunch of anything. Well, after everything's done, they get him arrested. They actually get him arraigned and they start searching for things around the house. His parents actually let him let the police search his house without having any kind of a warrant to search it, which saved them some time and effort. They never did find the gun, but they actually did find the 38 caliber uh, bullets that matched exactly the bullets that they had been shot with. They actually picked up five whole bullets and six casings from the crime scene. So they got all of them that had been used, which is kind of crazy to me that he didn't bother to pick up anything on the way. I mean, there was in that kind of a moment, that's probably your last thought. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. To me, that was just kind of crazy. And then they actually brought in a a firearms examiner while he was on trial to basically go everything. And he was like, look, 
they had it like a 99% match on the entire thing with all of the bullets to where they knew that it came from the same ammunition that was found in his house, even though they didn't have a gun for it. And he literally just would not go away from the entire theory that once he saw the hole in his tire, he just blacked out. He doesn't remember killing anybody, had no intention on hurting anybody. You know, the whole thing just spiraled out of control. You know, he's always been crazy about his car, yada, yada, yada. Basically a bullshit story to try to make it sound like he lost his mind. Temporary insanity is actually what he tried to use as a defense Sounds in like this it. moment. I mean, if if the whole world was allowed to go temporary insanity, every time anybody touched our car, I think we'd be uh, a, a little worse shape. So that's just my opinion on that. So as time went on, uh, Carmelita actually ends up going to classes to learn how to live blind. From the four shots that she sustained and the ones of the head, she was legally blind with about 20% vision in her right eye and 0% vision in her left eye. Could not imagine trying to go through life blind. I mean, especially when you've And I'm had, sure she's scarred badly. Right. But I'm saying when, you, when you've had when you've had it, your vision your whole life and then to lose it. You know what I mean? Like if you start off with being blind, I'm sure that that's something different. Oh, 100%. Right. So it's all you know. Right. So... They actually decided that they were going to put somebody on stand to talk about the the murders. We don't have to get super deep into it, but like the way that they described the bullet structures and the damage that they did, it really was super damaging and it was really emotional. I mean, to the point where the judge actually, when the case was over from the brutality of the testimony, actually took like a year off from everything, like just to be away from it because it was so much to take in as far as what had actually been done to these women. Winfield finally gets on his own on the stand and he says, look, I snapped all hell broke loose. I didn't plan on hurting anybody. I don't remember the shootings. I don't know what else you want me to say. I know that I was involved. I'm telling you firsthand that I didn't have any intention on doing any of this. Well, he was found guilty within a couple of hours. I mean, like, I mean, typical in this case, you're not going to have a long-term holdout on the jury. I mean, fuck you, bitch. Die. I mean, that's sounds like you had some intent. There's not a whole lot stopping you at that point in time. I mean, especially with that banter. Right. I mean, that's, I'm a badass. I have all the power and control, and I'm going to exert that over you. Time to die. To the fullest degree. Well, he was found guilty, and then we go to the punishment phase. Well, what they end up doing with the punishment phase is they are actually able to prove that he sexually assaulted Carmelita three times during their relationship once they actually had that with, uh, with a police report to where he had had a gun to her head and forced her into a sexual situation at gunpoint. Hmm. That's a big no-no. That's that's sexual assault. That's rape. Yeah. Uh, either way you want to classify it, yes. Like, and, and it definitely, definitely doesn't help anything. So when everything is said and done, they go through the entire sentencing phase. He is given two death sentences, one for each of the victims. He is given a life sentence for the attempted murder of Carmelita. And then he gets... Four cases of endangering with a firearm, 75 years each, which I found to be pretty awesome as far as that goes. And then 15 years for breaking and entering. I know, so, but, but what is he, an elf? Right. Does he live 500 years? Well, I mean, if, come on. If you're counting at home, just to bring it all <laughs> home, on. that's two death sentences, a life sentence, and 315 years in prison was what he was sentenced to. Jesus now, Christ. they actually asked the... Uh, you can only kill him once, people. That's true, but they asked the prosecutor afterwards, why? Like, 
Why? What is the reason for all of this? He basically said, look, if there is any chance here that he is able to get out of the death sentence, we we want to make damn sure that he rots for forever. Which, when you hear it that way, okay. That makes more sense. If it takes an extra two days in court to make sure that there's no way this guy ends up with something less, I'm good with that. So he's sentenced to 315 years in prison for two murders and an attempted murder. This brings us to June 14th of 2014. John Winfield is led to the execution chamber just after midnight. And once he is strapped in, he mouths a message to those who love him. And he just says, I love you. But he doesn't actually say the words audibly. When they were asked if he wanted to make a final statement, he said no. He had met with no clergy or family members during the day, which I thought that that was interesting. And he also decided that he did not want his last meal. Hmm. Yeah. And when, when he was asked by one of the guards why he didn't want his last meal, he said, this isn't going to be my last meal. I refuse to take it. They're going to give me clemency. So he thought that somehow or another, he was going to be out of the entire thing. Hmm. The execution would be witnessed by five members of the family of one of the women he killed, which was Shawnee Murphy, as well as his ex-girlfriend, Carmelita Donald, who obviously he shot four times, leaving her completely blind or 20% vision in one eye. Three members of her, of her family also attended. There were no representatives from Arthea Sanders family. They basically said that everything had gone on long enough that they didn't want to be there for this situation. At 12.02, the Pinot Barbital was pushed. Uh, for the next 30 to 45 seconds, he gasped heavily. Uh, in one moment, he gurgled and then went silent. It's actually estimated that his death took about 45 seconds from start to finish. Uh Once he stopped making sound in kind of an eerie moment, Carmelita gets up from her seat and she kind of uses the seats and the people in front of her and works her way to the front of the room and she puts her ear against the glass and she stands there for about a minute, maybe two minutes based on estimations. And then she kind of just shook her head once forward and she turned and she headed for the door using the the stuff to get out. And when she got to the back, she asked her one niece to help her the rest of the way out. Uh, since that moment, she will not speak about it, and she has not given a single interview about anything pertaining to this case going forward. So that is the murder of Shawnee Murphy and Arthea Sanders and the execution of John Winfield. A couple of questions to finish up here. The first question I have is, in a situation like that, when things are obviously starting to go a little bit sideways, why would Melody not call the police when she was told to by a friend of hers? I feel like that would be the the thing that you wouldn't question in that moment. Yeah, I don't know. That that, that was the one thing that if that had happened, would all of this have happened? Maybe maybe not. Maybe maybe he still would have shot Arthea. Maybe he still would have shot Carmelita, but maybe he wouldn't have gotten to Shawnee. I kind of think that they didn't think he was going to do this because I don't think if you thought that if you provoked this guy, he was yeah. going to flip. Mm-hmm. I think that the one girl would have never went out and sliced his tire. Yeah. Well, that was my next question is what is Arthea thinking in that moment? I, I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead. I can't understand what it's like to be there in that situation. That said, if somebody is obviously upset about a situation, mm-hmm. unless you truly believe that there is a 0% chance that they're going to have any rebuttal against anybody why would you cause damage to the vehicle that's going to get them off of your property? That's what I'm I'm going. I don't think that they thought that 
He might have like, you know, yeah, got pissed and freaked out and you know, broke shit. But yeah. I don't think, I don't think they thought he was capable of this. Right. <clears throat> because if you do think that, you're not going out and slicing that guy's tire. Right. You're you're doing everything to stifle the situation. Right. To get him to that car, to get him off of the property. Right. To get him out of the area. Like, why would so you cripple the only he, way that he he's going to get out of there? I mean, it still doesn't give him a right to do that. If I'm enraged and arguing with my ex and I hear my tire, I might go in and, I mean, I'm going to let the person know that I'm not happy. Yeah. But I'm not pulling my gun out and killing them. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's a still issue there. Yeah. <laughs> let me ask this, and this might not be a popular question to ask, but I just want your opinion on it. James ran to the kitchen with Melody. Why was he not protecting Shawnee? Shawnee is who he's with. That's who he's spending his time with. He's in self-preservation mode instead of making sure that her and her kids are okay. Well, sometimes when the heat turns up in the kitchen, you find out who people are. Yeah? I I, I mean, I agree that that's the case. It just seemed interesting to me that that was... It didn't seem like he gave another thought to anybody else in the house. So it doesn't sound like it. No. And, and, and which leads me to my second to last question is I can't make, I mean, I've read this multiple times, all the research on it. I can't find a reason that he killed Shawnee other than he was just in the moment and he was murking people. Yeah. Because she didn't do anything to him. All the only thing that she said, even close to negative to him was that she wants him to keep it down to where she even invited him into her apartment in, a, in an attempt to calm him down and to stop him from breaking things in the upstairs apartment. She was trying to save her kids in the moment that he actually ended up shooting her in the head. I mean, in the yeah. chest. I, I so think, how does that, ha- I, I'm just confused. Well, we've never been in a fits of rage of, and then where it turns to violent murder. Yeah. But I'm sure at that point, you're just, let's, let's off them all. I mean, why would you stop at one? I bet if he had 20. But he didn't murder any of the kids. And I'm not, I'm not advocating for no, the child I murders. Bet you, but I'm saying he didn't go after any of them. I bet you if he didn't have a six shooter. And he, or it probably only had four shots. Well, no, he shot. No, it was seven because he had one in the chamber and then six in the clip. Right. Is what it said. And he knew that that was how many he had, but then he forgot but he when sh- he tried to he, take a shot at James. But he shot uh, the X with four bullets. Right. So I bet you if he had enough bullets, he'd have killed them all. Right. Uh, I don't know that he would have shot the kids. I mean, I hope that he wouldn't have. He might have. Seemed like he didn't have much mercy at that point. Right. Well, I, that's going to be the part of this that always haunts me. I mean, it's not vindication for him killing Arthea, but at least you understand in a rage direction point away why you he can't went. Understand. You still, you still. No, I'm not saying understand, but like from an outsider looking in, if he was going to point that at somebody, I would say you understand why he got pissed at her. Should it have turned into a murder? <laughs> no. Well, two the murders and attempted tire. murder. Right. The fucking tire, man. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with. You, but I feel like the tire was like. On top of the Tony dating situation. Though. I think it was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Exactly. So. For for his weak. Yeah. And imminent mind. That yeah. was it. So I think this is going to be a really easy one tonight. But final question. Was justice served in this case? Absolutely. I agree. It was less than 20 years. I mean, we have a process that we have to go through. But it, at the end, he paid what he should have paid. With his life for what he did. Yes. Um, yeah. It's unfortunate that he had to take so many lives with him. Yep. But yes. Yes. Justice was served. Yes. 
So if you or anybody that you know are struggling with mental health, please pick up the phone and call 1-800-662-4357 for the National Mental Health Awareness Hotline. Somebody on the other end will be there to help you. Absolutely. So if you're having bad thoughts about hurting yourself or just can't kick that substance abuse, please call the number. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We look forward to talking again real soon. Stay safe.